Hello and welcome to Compulsive Reader Talks. I'm Magdalena Ball and I'd like to begin by acknowledging the Awabakal people, the traditional custodians on the land I'm on today, and to extend my respect to elders past and present. My guest today, Dr. Beatrice Coppolo, has been sending me wonderful reviews of poetry for Compulsive Reader for a very long time. Uh, Beatrice's poetry has been published in literary journals such as Southerly and Australian Women's Book Review and in many feminist publications. She's participated in international conferences, has taught creative writing in many institutions, has read her poetry at writers' festivals and other poetry events in Australia and overseas, and has many, many published books to her name, including including the recently released, released No Salami Fairy Bread, which she's here to talk about today. Beatrice, welcome. Oh, thank you, Maggie. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's about time I had you on the show, given how many uh, reviews you've been writing for me all these years. Um, I'd love to get you to open the show with a poem, if you don't mind. Um, maybe the first one in the book, are you um, okay to just read uh, They Think They Are Right? Yep, okay. They think they are right. Um, they come in the night, their eyes shining through their hoods. They believe they are right and blindly follow orders. They think they are just fair men of virtue. They do it for the country to weed out the bad. They write the rules, they distort ideas, they toys at guns and knives. Their mission is sacred, they say, as they kill, subversive. They call them. Women are raped, abused, and tortured, and only stand in the name of the country. Property destroyed, taken, sold as war trophies. The intellectuals, the artists are maimed and burned, sometimes dumped in a river, their feet bound with wires and stone. Sometimes there are mock executions, systematic torture, la picana, la banderita. Well, with fine torture methods to destroy the ideas of those who demand justice and freedom. Thank you. That's a, a intense one to open the the book with, uh, and it, it feels it feels so um, unfortunately appropriate right now. Um, talk to me a little um, bit about that poem, and you know, and what inspired it. Um, well, this it, this, uh, this little book is about it's about my 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 life really. Deciding um, to come to Australia, which is a dream I had for many years, and I saw the opportunity to to escape and come to Australia. And um, and after a few years, I was here. I thought, oh, I might write the story of my migration and my family and. And that's how I got uh, uh, no salami, fairy bread. <laughs> <laughs> and is that opening uh, piece? Is that the, about the juntas? Is this about some uh, the um, the I guess the impetus for your family to leave? Absolutely. Um, like in one of the poems, I say, "Dangers uh, uh, in real and imagined." Um, we had um, we had. Um, Someone advised us that they were after us. Um, my husband had taught um, Marcus Siri, and I had painted a paint of Che Guevara and exhibited, and I was uh, in a 
group of poets and usually radical people were persecuted and yeah so we decided to, to come before things got worse mm. yes. i convinced my family <laughs> yes because yeah. it's been a dream of come to australia for since i was 18 and uh my father died in an accident and I said to my mom, let's go to Australia. I seen it in a newsreel about a beautiful Australian. And I said, oh, they're giving land away and we can employ people and work the land. So it was always a big fantasy <laughs> in it my was, head. That was the 1970s, yeah. wasn't it? I was, well, the first time I wanted to come, it was when my father in 1960. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, what happened is that um, uh, my, they convinced my mother and we went to the shipping company and the guy said to my mom, Senora, you are mad, it's only sheep and men there. <laughs> so he scared my mom and, and uh, so we didn't come in the 60s, but 10 years later in the 70s, yes, we came. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so so this and is, I, brought... I mean, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no. I brought my mom too and my sister as well. Yes. As so it's a, very much a migrant story, I think. I mean, it, it's many more things as well that happen throughout the book, but um, it, 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 a lot of it, I think, pivots around that notion of migration and, you know, coming of age as a, a migrant child, etc. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it is all about migration, actually, it's just learning English and uh, learning about the education system and about how things work and even politics at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it still feels completely relevant to me as well. Um, so you open the book. The first thing you you write in the book is the author's note about the linguistic quality of the work and the way you wanted the book to reflect your sense of language and life in 1971. So, you know, to really give it that kind of youthful perspective. Um, just talk to me a little bit about that. And nowadays I, I write the post, postmodern poetry, <laughs> which is more complicated, complex, and, and uh, sometimes difficult to understand. And uh, I thought, no, I want this book to be reflected the sort of the language that I spoke at the time, or I, I wasn't that good, but I, but, um, I wanted it to be simple, mm -hmm. uh, to reflect the innocence and to reflect, reflect my inexperience, yes. Yes. So I'm going to get you to read one that I think really does that quite well. Um, can you read Santiago, which is 13, page 13? Got it. I got it up. Um, Santiago. Santiago was a rabbit, a rabbit who behaved and believed he was a cat. On cold winter nights, he scratched at the door to get into the warm and welcoming kitchen. Santiago jumped on bed, slept on our laps. He liked to be tickled, to brush and be loved. I think I saw tears in Santiago's eyes when, with a sad and trembling voice, I told him, I'm sorry, Santiago, we cannot take you with us. In Australia, you're a vermin. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's lovely. And, that, you know, I think it does really reflect that kind of um, a child's perspective. And even, you know, in, in one way, that 
loss of what you have to leave behind. Why, why was the rabbit named Santiago? <laughs> oh, I don't remember. Really. Santiago <laughs> is a province, yeah, Santiago del Estero. And I suppose maybe at the time I'd been there, <laughs> I'd call it that, yeah. yeah. But I wasn't that young in Australia, maybe. Yes, it just makes me think too that. Um... You know, and I know it's a simple poem, but the, the rabbit is not just the rabbit, but it's also the place that you've left. Yeah. I know Santiago is not in Argentina, it's in Chile, but it's, you know, the, the notion of leaving behind, I guess, um, people, yeah, animals, to... places. Yeah, yeah, so so why now? Um, why create a, that story of your migration? What What is it um, that made you decide to do this now as opposed to immediately or later? And why did you ch choose poetry? I know that's two questions. Um, I suppose um, I want to uh, show, I think a lot of people would identify with this uh, migration. Mm. And this always constant movement in Australia of migrants. And uh, also I wanted to leave something for my children. Mm. Uh, I think to appreciate the stories and uh, yeah. And also perhaps inspire women because I did a lot of struggle. I struggled with a domineering husband. Mm. I struggled to brought up two kids on my own and go to university and have two or three jobs at the same time to to support them. And yet, I guess I did went to university and I became a psychologist. And then when my English was was uh, well, I did, um, not only I did all the studies of, uh, of psychology and management, and then I did um, creative, um, I got a graduate diploma in communication from the UPS. I got a master in English from Sydney Uni, and I got my doctorate in creative writing from Wollongong. So I spent my life studying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I guess yes, it just it felt like the time had come. But uh, why verse? Why poetry rather than writing? You know, a traditional um, prosaic memoir. Oh, oh, because I, for my doctorate, I did some things uh, in in novel style. From different points of view, I did a lot of my, the history of my family and all that, and and I love writing poetry more mm. than novels. Yeah. Yes, maybe truer to the experience, better able to get to the um, the heart of what you're feeling, right? Absolutely, absolutely, you're, you're exactly. Yeah, you're right, Maggie. Yeah. So, can I get yeah. you to read a, read another one, migrants? That's on fifteen. Okay. Yeah. I thought of the old couple who from a sepia colored photo presided all, all my grandparents' party. I imagined them at the port of Buenos Aires, so far from Genoa, arriving in Argentina, seven children in tow and a few livers, migrants from Italy, clutching a dream for a better life. It was now my turn to leave the Americas 
dragging my family into my own wild chimera, escaping from an uncertain future, escaping from real and imagined dangers, searching for adventure, fortune, fame, and freedom, wanting to dip myself in the blue and calm, calm sea that I have seen in the newsreels. I have heard so many things about the wild Australia. Land breed for those willing to work it. Seven men for every woman. Children needed to build a strong country. A lamb at the foot of a lion. Kangaroos and koala roaming in the dusty streets and pubs where only tough burdened men drive. So much to do to build the land of milk and honey. <laughs> yes, lovely. Wonderful. And I think that really captures it as well. So how did you decide to organize the book? It feels chronological to me. So it feels like it goes in order um, of age, getting older and, you know, all of the things that happened. But did you struggle with pulling it together? Did you move things around or did you have difficulty deciding what order to put stuff in? Um, I sort of, uh, usually I do, uh, which is felt right to uh, know the is usually I do a, a, a brainstorm and I put everything I want to cover. What are the events that are relevant to, to, to the book? And uh, so, and then I put it in order, chronological order, what should go on first, second, and then sometimes I, I do subdivision. Well, okay, on topic one, what else should I cover? Mm. And that make it right. Yes, that works. Um, so I, another thing that I think runs through the work really like a thread is humor. A lot of the poems and some of the ones you've already read are really very funny. Um, does that come naturally to you? Did you set out deciding you wanted to have um, something that was quite funny or, um, you know, what, what, what was the role of humor in the work? It's funny because people think I'm very funny. I never realized that. And uh, even when I was, uh, my first course in Australia was a, a course in welfare, a welfare course, um, which when I did it, it was a certificate because the person who interviewed me said, oh, you're an ethnic, you better do the certificate and not the diploma. So in that course, uh, it was the first time, well, at the end of the course, everyone had to write about everyone. And what most people wrote about me is, oh, you're so funny. And I never thought of myself as funny. And um, and now a lot of people, when they write about, they invite me and say, oh, she's very funny, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes I don't realize I'm being funny. <laughs> yeah, the, the title itself is, is pretty funny. Um, you know, Salami Fairy Bread, tell me about that one. Oh, that was, uh, I used to send the girls uh, to school with uh, ham sandwiches, salami sandwiches, and they hate it. They say, uh, oh, we want fairy bread. We want fairy bread like everyone else. And, I, and when I found what fairy bread was, I nearly died. <laughs> but right. I gave them fairy bread. Then they wanted um, JCs to go to school. What? Ah, JCs. Then I find out JCs were Jesus Christ sandals because we were living in 
clues near the beach. So all the kids, um, all the kids uh, wore sandals. And, uh, and I was sending them with socks and shoes and very proper. And my mother too was freaked out when, they, when she saw I bought them the sandals <laughs> to go to school. Yeah. That, that's pretty funny too. I never heard of JCs before. It's pretty um, interesting that they would that would be something that people would would say. Uh, but then I'm a migrant too, yeah. so yeah. So let, let let me get you to read one that I think is quite funny. Um, Chapanis and biryanis, which is page fifty one. Um, firstly, just the whole notion of being an ethnic and the fact that they you know, decided you were close enough to be, to, you know, if you put on a sari, you, you would look Indian. Um, but then it's, it's quite a funny poem as well. So. I had the, I had the black hair, uh, long black hair. And uh, I said to the guy, oh, oh, I can paint a dot on my forehead and look Indian. <laughs> Do you know how some Indians put the dot on the head? Chapati <laughs> Sambiryanis. I took the menu home and studied the names of the unusual food, koftas and puris, chapatis and biryanis, curry, pots or mild, wines, red, white, beer and whiskey. Side dishes, madame, another bottle, monsieur. On Monday, I will start. I will wear a red sari and a flower to match in my long black hair. On Monday, my feet can be seen. I fly from the kitchen to the pack dining room and back to the kitchen. I want more chapatis. My car is too hot. Where's my water? I asked for my bill a long time ago. When I finish work at two in the morning, my body aches from the top of my head to my little toes. I count my tips and my pay. If I continue to work at least three nights a week, I will have soon enough money to pay for my fees. Yes, it really paints a picture for me. Makes me hungry too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. And um, no idea about Chapatis. And also I became quite popular because I was used to go to restaurants and I'm, I had good manners. So I used to treat like people like very polite and they used to give me big tips. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Lovely. And and I really love the way you've um, kind of incorporated dialogue into that as well. Yeah. Um, but things don't go so well, do they? You struggle with the marriage. Um, that's quite a, a difficult part of the book that you really, um, you know, you, you find it quite hard, um, particularly after you yeah. start working. Yeah. So can I get you to read me um, intonations from a disgruntled hus husband? That's on 58. Yeah. Um, keep a secure job. Jobs are hard to find. That job that is India is takes you away from home. You must be crazy to want to go back to study and be a university student again. That money you're saving should go to buy things that we need in the house. That dress is, that you're wearing is too short and too tight. <laughs> yes. It's actually it's um and you you match that of course with the intonations from a would be lover so you've got almost like um two perspectives that mirror each other um, yeah. neither neither of them really um, presents a subject that's appealing <laughs> yeah I, but it's I interesting of, the way that's set up 
yeah, I want to see them make the, the difference, not all the things. You want me to read it? Sure, why not? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, intonations from a, good, from a good beloved. You're so beautiful, Miss Beatrice, he said, and then asked my permission to hold my cold hands. You're so clever, Miss Beatrice. You're already a teacher and you're saving to pay for your fees. Miss Beatrice, you're so fast with the tray full of dishes, and I love the way you serve wine. Miss Beatrice, your hair and eyes are black as the night. Miss Beatrice, would you mind if you kiss on the lips? <laughs> <laughs> yes, very, very nicely done. And, uh, you know, you do dialogue quite well um, with these intonations mirroring each other. Um, I think they really paint quite a good picture. Um, I think you have a few of those through the book. Mm. Yes, I think so. So uh, you you do hint in the book about your the work that you um you do now or you were doing as a psychologist. Um, did you find that you were drawing on that when you were pulling this book together? And I I do a lot of my psychology when I do reviews. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. my own writing, I don't know. Maybe subconsciously. Well, I feel like there's a but, growing growing sense of the self and what the possibilities there are through that book and what is the notion of a self. And and that's a pretty big theme that goes through the book. You're right. You're right, Maggie. Yeah, mm. it is. Mm. But I don't think I did it it's, uh, But I wanted, I wanted to inspire women, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, sometimes it's difficult when you're married with children and yes and society is still not 100% favoring women in their career or in everything even in writing yes well that's a I mean I think that's an important theme through the book as well your feminism yeah and then very feminist <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's worked through the whole of the book I think yes. <laughs> So liberated. <laughs> yeah. And in many ways, I think, the, you know, the book comes across as a story of liberation. So, you know, you begin with a, um, it, it's almost a tale of, you know, how I became liberated. <laughs> so maybe I can get you to read another one, um, which I think touches on that theme. And that's Alberta Street. It's on 79. I go to Macquarie, the newest university, to find out about enrollees in a course to study to be a great shrink. Deirdre also taught me this word. I know what I now have all the papers, no fees, free education, thanks to Whitlam and the Labour Party. I walk around the campus, I admire the growing trees, the buildings, and the modern paintings in the Grand Library. Excited. I look forward to an intellectual future. I go to the crowded canteen to have a coffee and relax. As I leave the amenity room, I notice a male color sign. Women, do you want to be free? I continue reading with interest. Come to a conscious racing session tonight. We are here to help you understand liberation. Sister, come to a house in Alberta Street. So is this a true, true story? <laughs> you, 
Yes, true story. I went to Alberta Street. The women there um, were lovely and 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 uh, very supportive in everything. So um, I used to go to the marches. Yeah. So between Blue, uh, Whitland and the feminists, <laughs> the early feminists that opened the door for me. <laughs> yes, uh, there's no free education now. <laughs> Isn't it disgusting? Absolutely disgusting. Yes, I think so a, a parent of children um, have they, pretty significant hex fees. So uh, yes, it's uh, terrible. Uh, I used to when I started, there were so many middle-aged women, and yeah, mm. having the opportunity to, and that's gone. That is gone. Yeah, and I I feel like that. I mean, Alberta Street's quite close to the end of the book. I think um, there's only two more after that one. Um, do you feel like, you know, you've just kind of touched on things. Um, it, what about a sequel? <laughs> what comes uh, next? Maybe. <laughs> I haven't thought about it, I can. Yes. But, um, yeah, it could be. <laughs> I have to think. <laughs> Yeah. All right. I might I might get you to squeeze one more in. So um, and that is, of course, uh, the last one. I think it's the last one in the book. Let me make sure. Yes. The last one in the book, which is um, looking back. Oh, looking back. Yeah. OK. Now that the papers that say no, now that the papers that say that I have degrees, diplomas and masters, that's somewhere forgotten at the bottom of the drawer. Now that I believe I am free and can do what I want whenever I want, now that the girls have grown up, now that have mastered the language that gave me so many headaches, now when my sister and her husband are soon to be grandparents, now <laughs> that my ex-husband is married to wife number four, now that my mother is no longer with us, now that I can call Australia my country. Now today, I feel nostalgia, not for the past, but for the enthusiasm, the motivation, the drive of that naive young woman who opened her heart to a new world and its people. Hmm. And that I think that answers the question as well, quite nicely, of why now? <laughs> Why did you pull this yeah. book together? You know, what what drove you to say, um, I'm ready to do this memoir? Um, I think that answers it perfectly. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, everything else is under control. Looking back, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you have the time for me. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, lovely. Um, so what's next for you, Beatrice? What, or what is exciting you? Or are you working on something new? Or are you, um, you thinking about something? Um, do you have some ideas? Anything that could give us a hint? Oh uh, yes, I'm writing a book, um, uh, which is called Jeremiah, and it's nothing to do with the prophet. Uh, Jeremiah is, is a character who lived uh, in 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 the, on the earth, uh, like three thousand in the future. Hmm. So the society is uh, gone back. And there's a group of this, some animals have evolved, like the pigeons. Um, 
there is the mutant is the people who are all deformed because of the because of the atomic things and, and explosions and disasters. And the society is very primitive and they don't there's a group who dominate everything and people are not allowed to to have create machine, all the books have been burned and uh, and Jeremiah tries to create a revolution to change the world. Yes. So it's interesting. It's a bit of fantasy, but what could happen? Yeah, fantastic. Fantasy in also uh, in verse, in poetry? In poetry, yes. Oh, wonderful. That's that's quite different. It sounds fantastic. We'll look forward to seeing that. Um, so that is all we have time for today, Beatrice. But what I'll do is I will link to uh, the book and anything else you want um, in the show notes. And uh, thanks so much for joining me today. It was great to talk to you. Hey, great to talk to you, Maggie. I have great admiration for you. You're a fantastic writer. And also, with what you do for poetry, you're keeping us alive. <laughs> thank you. Giving uh, hope to the poor. Yes, thank you, Maggie. Thank you for now. everything.